0: Good morning. If you have a Bible, would you turn to Psalm 23? Psalm 23, or if you use an electronic device, you can scan the code. Psalm 23. We're in this series called Psalms, and this morning is the Lord is my shepherd. If you need a Bible, slip a hand up. We've got ushers coming down the aisles. You can borrow one this morning. This is a pretty familiar psalm. You know, I'm hoping that uh, if you came in this morning and and you're carrying a burden or if your heart is heavy or if you've ever found yourself uh, in a trial or in a dark place or in a valley, it is my prayer that this psalm will speak to you this morning. There's so much here. Out of all the 150 Psalms, there is no Psalm that is more quoted, recited and memorized than the 23rd Psalm. And without a doubt, nearly every one of us has probably heard it in one context or another. For 3000 years, because that's about how old the Psalm is, this Psalm has brought comfort to millions upon millions of people. It's simple enough for a child to grasp, but deep enough that a theologian could drown in. It's become popularized at funerals, focusing mostly on the phrase, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's certainly not wrong to use this passage at a funeral, in fact, I often use this at a graveside service. But what if this Psalm is more about life than it is about death? It's the psalmist's relationship to the living God in his own life during his days here on this earth. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That gives us a hint. Over time, the 23rd Psalm has become a marble pedestal, read and heard from, often from a distance. It needs to be captured and broken up and used in our daily lives rather than only passing it along on the front of a sympathy card, let's inscribe it in our own hearts. Martin Luther once said, describing Psalm 23, these six short verses are a window into the 66 books of scripture. And they take us through a whole story of redemption in an elevated and and majestic and personal intimate way. David Gibson in his book, The Lord of the Psalm 23, uh, proposes an outline that I would like to use this morning, helping us to better understand these life-changing words while much of the scripture speaks to us, Psalm 23 speaks for us. If you're following along in the outline, first I want to talk about the sheep and the shepherd, first three verses, we'll begin with verse one. I am using the NIV translation. And so as I read the scripture, you may be familiar with a different translation because this is such a popular psalm. You've probably, some of you have even memorized it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or I shall not want. I think it's safe to say most of us don't know a shepherd in person. Probably none of us sat with our guidance counselor in high school and and they said, you know what I think? When I think about you and I've watched you, I think you will make a really good shepherd. Probably none of us can say that. I I could just see you living in the hills and out in the wilderness shepherding sheep for the rest of your life. How many of us took one of those career path tests and it came back shepherd? I think a more accurate uh, depiction or uh, might be that I see you as a sheep David was a shepherd in Bethlehem and you remember the story of Ruth that that we covered through in December and and now we fast forward through several generations in the same place, in the same land. David came from a long line of shepherds and, and he was out keeping his sheep, waiting for the time when he would take the throne and to be the king of Israel. God as a shepherd is one of the most comforting and anxiety-reducing metaphors that we see in all of scripture. And the imagery that comes to mind when we think of a shepherd is one who gives great care for the sheep. And what we know about sheep is that they, they don't really care for themselves very well when they're left alone. They need a shepherd to care for them and to guide them. Sheep require more care and attention than any other livestock. And the Bible refers to us over 200 times as sheep because of our tendencies. Isaiah 53, six says this, we, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When uh, when a sheep wanders from the flock, they easily get lost. Finding their way back home, not a chance. And we've all gone our own way according to the scripture because that's what sheep do. There's a story told in 2005 in, in Eastern Turkey of 1,500 sheep that, that were all together. There were several flocks and, and several different shepherds. And they had them all in one place and the shepherds got together and they said, let's just kind of leave them and let's go out for breakfast. And so they went out for breakfast and there's this one little sheep that thought to himself, you know what I'm gonna do? I think I'm gonna go jump off the cliff. And this little sheep goes and he jumps off the cliff and he dies. And 400 sheep follow him over the side of the cliff and they all die. It was a loss of about $75,000 for those shepherds. We have all gone astray and finding our way back home when left to ourselves, not a chance. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Notice the order in verse one. It doesn't say, because I lack nothing, the Lord is my shepherd. What it says is this, because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The shepherd decides what the sheep needs. If our needs are out of tune with what the shepherd provides, instead of saying, I lack nothing, we are more apt to say, I am lacking. So if our needs are outside of the shepherd or out of tune with what the, what the shepherd provides for us, so starting there, if we don't start there, instead of saying, I lack nothing, we're more apt to say, I am lacking. The first eight words of Psalm 23 challenges our natural mindset. What, what if my sense of need comes out of what the shepherd already provides? So instead of thinking about your life and thinking, oh, I need this, or I need that, and I want this and I want that, what if we start with the shepherd and what if our need comes out of what the shepherd already provides? That is the only way, friends, we could ever say, I lack nothing, is to start with the shepherd. If our need is defined from his provision, then we lack nothing. To lack nothing implies I have everything that I need. To say that I have everything that I need implies there is a source from which my needs have been satisfied. Jesus is referred to as the shepherd in the New Testament and in fact declares himself as a shepherd in the, in the seven great I ams when he says, I am the gate or I am the way or I am the life. He says, I am the shepherd. He declares himself. Other writers in the New Testament speak of Jesus as the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, Sheep follow their shepherd in a trust relationship, knowing the shepherd has their best in mind. In the first three verses, we're introduced to the Lord as a shepherd in the third person. He is this, and he makes me do this and that. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. The shepherd provides food, green pastures, and drink, quiet waters. And he makes us lie down there suggesting there is more than enough in that place of life. Bringing us full circle back to I lack nothing. Green pasture, it's a green pasture of rest. That's the imagery here of rest that mankind has been longing for ever since the Garden of Eden. The separation of man from God has caused quite a longing, a longing of rest and a longing of peace. John 9 says this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. In Christ, we are promised pasture of rest and peace. The phrase beside quiet waters literally means beside waters of rest. We find rest in the place of plenty. And he uses four phrases. He makes me, he leads me, he refreshes me, and he guides me. When we know the shepherd, we lack for nothing. Nothing physically, nothing emotionally, nothing spiritually. Green pastures and quiet waters. It's an invitation to rest at ease. In that place, a place only the shepherd knows of that you cannot find on your own. In that place, he refreshes our soul. He refreshes us completely in totality. He refreshes my soul, can point to two different directions. It points back to the idea of finding pasture and finding quiet waters. He refreshes me in that way, but it also can point forward in the rest of the scripture when it talks about the paths of righteousness. So in both cases, whether you look back or you look forward, we find rest and peace. Rest in him is the goal for all creation, for all eternity. The idea of a Sabbath day means to take delight in him. Sometimes when we think of, I'm going to take a Sabbath, or, or this is my Sabbath day, we think of um, finding some quiet time, some downtime, some, so that we can prepare for the week to come. But it's to live in and experience his presence, not outside of it as a tool to prepare us. That's the idea of this rest. At my last church, uh, when we were young, we had uh, a group of elders and there was uh, one elder who had kind of a lively personality and the other elder used to say to him jokingly, don't beat the sheep, you know. Shepherds are there to care for the sheep by leading them to places where they lack nothing. Only in that place can we ever say as a sheep, I now know what it feels like to be shepherded by him. All of his goodness and guidance is, is not for our namesake, as it says, it's for his namesake. It's a great reminder that, that all God our shepherd does is for his own renown, It's for his own glory, It's for his own name, not for our glory and not for our name. Matthew Henry says it like this, the greatest abundance is but a dry pasture to a wicked man who relishes only in that which pleases the senses, but to a godly man who tastes the goodness of God in all of his enjoyments and by faith relishes that, though he has but little of the world, it is a green pasture. The only time in scripture when sheep are seen in a favorable light is when they are in the care of a shepherd. The point of emphasis here is not on the sheep, it's on the shepherd. How many of you are pet owners? Have you ever been around somebody and and you've watched them and, and you see their dog and you're kind of watching them and you're watching the dog and you think to yourself, they should not have a dog, right? They never play with it, they never take it for a walk, they never clean up after it. They should not have a dog. In fact, I feel sorry for the dog. And then there are those who are obsessed about their dogs. They run a perfect schedule, they wipe their little paws every time they come in from outside, even though it's 10,000 times a day, right? They brush them, they take them out for walks, they feed them the most expensive dog food. They buy these little booties to put on their dogs so they can go outside and they don't get their paws cold or muddy. they either make or they buy little sweaters for their dogs. Now, we, we're somewhere in between the two extremes that I just shared with you. This is Bailey, and the other one says Lucy. We only had them wear them a couple times this year. And you look at these dog owners and think, how ridiculous. They're way overboard. However, if you were a dog and could choose which owner to have, which one would you choose? That's an easy answer. And what David is saying here is we have a shepherd who, unlike the world, knows every one of our needs and guides us to a place where we can't imagine anything that we lack. Can you get your mind around that? How about you? Are you looking for rest or peace? Are you tired of not being satisfied or longing for more? Are you bruised by life because you have wandered out on your own? There is an invitation here for us as sheep. True sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd. Are you listening? Are you finding the time to be quiet and listen closely? He is inviting you to a place of green pasture and quiet waters. It's what he's had for you all along. Imagine lacking for nothing while living in a society filled with discontentment. Do you know that a complaining sheep is a reflection of the shepherd? Because a complaining sheep is pointing out the lack of care or the provision of the shepherd. When in green pasture, all has been provided. When next to quiet waters, all peace is given. Secondly, the traveler and the companion, verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Remember the first three verses are written in third person. As a shepherd to his sheep, he gives direction. Now in verse four, there's a shift from third person to first person. David begins to speak directly to God instead of about God. It becomes much more personal at this point. As a comparison to a traveler, he gives me protection. Even though, even though I walk through the darkest valley. This next part might stretch a few of you. If you are experiencing the presence of God, our shepherd in your life, If you are lying down in green pastures and sitting beside quiet waters and your soul is finding rest and and, and refreshment, if you are experiencing that or have experienced that and you find yourself in a darkest valley, it's because that he's led you there. It's what the scripture says here. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Remember the end of verse three. The valleys and the trials and the hardships of this life do not mean that we have wandered from the path of righteousness. In fact, more likely we can be comforted in knowing that they are the righteous path of the shepherd. As one person said, if God is not in charge of your valley then how do you know that he can get you through it? God not only leads his sheep to to pleasure, but he also leads his sheep to pain. But why pain? Because pleasure is a reward and it always invites us to stay. If all we ever experience in this life is pleasure, we just wanna stay right there. But pain is the only experience we have that invites us to keep moving, to keep walking. Verse four points To the fact that not all of life will be green pasture. Not all of life will be quiet waters. There will be some valleys along the way. Shepherds will lead sheep down into the valley. Over in the Middle East where this takes place, when it gets really, really hot outside, shepherds will move their sheep down into ravines called wadis. And the sheep hate it because sheep don't, don't have great Eyesight, and they hate walking down hills into a shadowed, dark ravine. But the reason the shepherd brings the sheep down there is because it's cooler down there. It's down there where the streams of water are running the, at the bottom of the ravine, and sometimes the darkest valleys are pathways to the greatest pastures. But the sheep don't know that. And like us, they probably think this is hard, I hate this. I'm scared, I can't see what's ahead. But the shepherd is saying, trust me, it's cool down there. It's gonna be beautiful and refreshing. It's in the pit, down in the valleys and the ravines of life where we meet the Lord and come to know and trust him even more as our good shepherd. He doesn't leave us alone. He meets us and comforts us. I was thinking about this during one of the songs. I don't remember which song. But we often think when we're in those places in the valleys or the hard times or the dark places, and we cry out to God, God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to come and rescue me? And it dawned on me, he's already there. He's in that place with you. Not only will we have some valleys, but like verse four says, we will have some very dark valleys. As David refers to as the darkest valleys, AKA also known as shadow of death in some translations. While we often associate the phrase with physical death, the idea is better understood as gloom or calamity. Because remember, he's talking more about life. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, though the darkest valley, It's to pass through it, not to stay in the valley. Isn't that what it says? Even though I walk through the darkest valley. The shadow of death. The shadow of a dog cannot bite you. The shadow of a knife cannot cut you. The shadow of death cannot destroy you. The valley, because it's a mere shadow, In its ability cannot and will not kill you. The knowledge of of a trial or pain allows us to live with this greater confidence because he says this, because of that, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's another truth, you can find comfort in the valley There are two tools that a shepherd often has. They have what's called a crook or the shepherd's staff, which they grab sheep and they pull them back or or they use to direct the sheep. But they also have a rod and it hangs from their belt. It's just a little club. And on the end of it, there are nails that are sticking out. And the rod is used to beat wolves, to pound on wolves, to protect the sheep. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A sheep is comforted by a shepherd's rod, knowing that if a predator approaches, he is protected. Thirdly, the guest and the host, verses five and six. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Verses one through three that we looked at already he is a shepherd to the sheep, providing direction. Verse four, he is a companion to a traveler providing protection. Verses five and six, he's a host to the guest providing provision. So direction, protection, and provision make up Psalm 23. Verses one through three are in third person, verse four is first person, and now verses five and six are back to third person. We're no longer talking about a shepherd and sheep in verses five and six, we're now talking about a guest and a host. A host who lavishes upon us hospitality. If you were traveling, let's say um, near Nazareth and you were just walking around exploring, uh, it wouldn't be uncommon for somebody to come out of their house and say, hey friend, uh, why don't you come in? Come in for some coffee or for some tea. And then after you're there for a while and and you're having a conversation, uh, they might say to you, will you stay for a meal? And then after that, they might even say, hey, do you want to just stay the night? Amazing hospitality. In ancient times, when you entered someone's tent, there was a sort of protocol. You would receive three kisses when you walked into the tent. Cheek, cheek, cheek. Then a servant would remove your sandals and wash your feet. Then a scented olive oil would be placed all over your face and and all over your head because uh, to relieve you from the burning sun. Then you'd be handed a glass of wine that, that, that would have honey in it as a refreshment and then spread a rug before you and then, and then serve you a meal. I wanna try this sometime. I wanna try this when somebody comes to my house. Welcome, please, please sit here after I kiss them three times and then take out some oil and rub it all on my hands and rub their face and rub their head and then take off their shoes and wash their feet and hand them a glass of wine. And then I would throw a rug and I'd say, sit right here, DoorDash will be here in just a second. Right? But here's the idea behind it. It was this idea of lavish provision. It is to say of God, you are just so abundant in your provision and your love for me. This is all in the presence of his enemies when he could have been living in fear, he could have been living gripped with anxiety, running for his life, he rests in God's security. Verse six, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A declaration of the future based on the past. As I look back, you have taken care of me and you have protected me. Even as my enemies, they're chasing after me, I know your goodness, God. You are my shepherd. I know your love will follow me all the days of my life while I'm on this earth. The impact of this psalm in your life is determined by whether you only know the psalm or if you know the shepherd. For one who knows the shepherd, this psalm runs deep. Did you know that one of the common problems sheep have is what's called being cast? So a sheep, when it wanders off from the flock, often would go out when it's all on its own, it gets lost and it finds maybe a depression in the ground and it lays down in the depression to rest and it's a little bit cooler. And then after a while, it kind of jostles a little bit and it kind of ends up on its side. So its feet are kind of like this. And then after a while, it kind of wants to flip over or you know, change positions, and it flips over, and then all of a sudden its feet are like this, right? Straight up in the air. In this depression in the ground. And once a, a sheep is in this depression in the ground with its feet in the air, all the gases inside of its body are released. It cuts off the circulation. And the sheep dies. Unless a shepherd finds it, and restores it. He restores my soul. You know what that means? He brings me back. Maybe you resonate with that. You want to just be a little comfortable sheep. And you've nestled in, and now your legs are straight in the air, and maybe you've wandered and need God's goodness, and you need his gird goodness and his mercy. And then it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This last phrase is only true for those who have an act of their own will in accordance with his call. Meaning it's a moment in time when your free will collides with his sovereign draw or his sovereign grace and you surrender your life to him. Have you done that? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Do you know God as your shepherd in this life so that you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever? If you have questions about that, would you come and seek me out? I'd love to share more with you love to tell you what it means to surrender your life to Jesus and to find all that I'm describing in this relationship with our Good Shepherd. Let me leave you with one thing. It Says this. I lack nothing. I fear no evil. And I will dwell. Father, thank you for this amazing Psalm Psalm 23 and um, all that we learn about the good shepherd and all that we learn about us as sheep. And Lord, I think it's um, been a great encouragement for those who maybe find themselves in a hard place, in a trial, in a confusing state in this life. Or, um, and Lord, it's just been a great reminder to know that um, you don't come to our rescue, but you are there with us. And often you've actually led us there to teach us, to show us, to remind us who you are. And as we pass through that, as you lead us out of that, we keep our eyes fixed on you. God, would you use this psalm in all of our lives to minister to us, to redirect us, to show us, to teach us your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.